Thank you for tuning into the Michael Crane.live podcast. He is an entrepreneur and mentor with over 20 years of experience as a property investor, stock market trader, and office supplies industry expert. On his podcast, he invites fellow entrepreneurs and business owners to share their journey in business so you can learn and take inspiration for your own business and also motivate the next batch of entrepreneurs starting out on their business journey. So on today's podcast, we have Morton Patterson, who is a business consultant. He works with professional services businesses and helps them increase their fees to sell their services based on value and not price. Now, that's very interesting, Morton. Morton started consulting at Ernst & Young before leaving to start his first business, Books Talk 2. He founded Morton Patterson Consulting in 2010 and developed the Know Your Value method for independent consultants and coaches. He also provides stakeholder executive coaching for SMEs and their teams. Before starting M. PC in 2010, Morton worked at Southeast Enterprise and Elba, which is part of the Canary Wharf Group. So welcome to the podcast this morning, Morton. What I would like to do is to kick this podcast off by speaking about your book, Books Talk To. It's a very interesting title. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about it? Firstly, Michael, thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Um, I'm really privileged and honoured that you've invited me. Um, Books Talk 2 isn't a book. Books Talk 2 is a business that I started. And it's an interesting story in that I uh, studied IT consulting and started to work, as I've said in my bio, um, at Ernst & Young. But there was a burning desire in me to create an audiobook business. And at that time, talking books was um, quite a niche sector. And there was a leading shop in Bigmore Street in London called The Talking Bookshop. And I wanted to create a similar business to that, but it would have been really for the ethnic market, which in actual fact, globally was huge. It wasn't massive in England, but it was massive in America, the whole audiobook sector. And so Books Talk 2 was founded because one day I woke up and I jumped on a plane and I went to see, at those, that time you could, I went to see the major publishers in New York, which was Random House, Time Warner, HarperCollins, and say, I want to be the leading distributor of the audiobook sector and I want to start launching it in the UK. And I remember one of the executives in those days, you could go to New York, into Manhattan and see the executives. Now you can't do that as easily. She said to me, why are you starting that business in England? Why not do it here? I said, my family's here. She says, yeah, because the market is huge here. But my family was here. I returned home from that business trip and resigned within a week because I wanted to just do it. I remortgaged my house, left my full-time job, 
And the idea of books talk too was I thought books also talk. So that's how come I call it books talk too. How long did you run that business? And tell our listeners about the challenges that you had in that business when Amazon launched Audible. Because I think that you were planning to go in to the Audible marketplace. So what challenge did you face there? Massive question, wonderful question. This was just before Audible was launched as a partnership with Sony and um, some other companies. And I think it is actually before Audible became part of Amazon. The challenge I faced, because I am a person and I understand this now, I'm a person who is really big picture, but I'm not detailed in operations. So I had a massive clear vision of how I wanted that business to be a global audiobook enterprise where anywhere you could find any ethnic audiobook in one place. Amazon came along in its endeavor to, I think, um, what I call eat up the entire market. The challenge that I faced at the time, if I'm really honest, was my thinking. And let me explain that. I had a business consultant who was guiding me and he said to me, Morton, this is a great idea, but I think you need to get investors and you need to partner with other people. I didn't understand the importance of partnering or getting investors to really help me to grow the business. I thought at the time I would do it on my own and get extra support wherever I needed. The challenge I faced was that I wasn't a great promoter. I wasn't fantastic at selling, at um, really marketing. I could sell, but I couldn't market. I didn't know how to get the attention of people. So the challenges I faced, one, eventually, eventually became not being able to spread the word wide enough, not being able to reach enough people, not being able to build a team so that they could go out and make the sales as, as much as I could. I lost thousands due to that venture. So one of the major challenges was the fact of how I set up the business and my thinking about the best way to launch a business. If that so that's sense. a really interesting point. Mm. So what's the difference between Morton Patterson and Audible? What did Audible do different that you should have done? They got investors, they partnered. It wasn't just one person. It was actually, as I remember it, it was a group of people who invested and they had a massive platform upon which they could pull all of those resources together and do it. I was a lone, lone wolf, lone provider, so to speak. Um, instantly, they had the resources and the reach. So they started it. I think their mindset and the way of building a business was completely different to mine. And one of them was there was a massive investment in the technology infrastructure, as well as access to all of the, let's say the resources, the team, the, the products. So they started from a massive, they started from a bigger platform than I did. That was a so if you had your time again, what were your lessons and what would you have done differently? I would have been really, really clear on what I wanted to achieve first. 
Which and was what? I, which is I wanted to create a all-in-one platform where actually a platform where you could go and you could get Indian classics, African classics, Black American classics. I would have created a global platform of all of those classics, which would have been turned into an audiobook. Audi an audio book. Um, you had Naxos, which was a um, quite a leading audiobook company at the time, but they focused on classical. It, it, it was based around classical books and classical music. Uh, really, and I met the owner at the time. Um, so the difference that I've done now is I'd have been really, really clear on what I wanted to achieve, and then I would have found the funding. Did and you know who to turn to for funding and the tech mindset to make it all happen? Or do you think that was the missing link that created the uncertainty in your own mind? I didn't know who to turn to. And I didn't realize how important it was to have the resources of knowledgeable people that could help me to make it into a viable, successful business. I think quite often, which is something that I had what you call, I don't want to share it itis, which is something of many small businesses. I don't want to share my idea because someone might steal it. Um, I don't want to talk to too many people because they're going to know about it. All of that is a limited mindset. So I didn't actually have the relationships. I didn't have the network and I didn't have the connections to help me um, to structure it in a way that would have started it to at least given it a chance for success. Um, and on top, on top of that, it might actually have been me who was in the way of opening the possibilities of all of that because I wanted to be, I, it was my baby. I wanted, to, I wanted to develop it in the way I thought and felt it should be done. And I think that's part of the problem. That was part of the problem. Do you think that comes out of fear or self-doubting belief of your own ability? Or did it come down to, it just sounded like a lot of too much hard work? No, it wasn't too much hard work. It wasn't fair. Um, I think to some degree when I launched that business, I was completely fearless. I mean, I left a very good role. I had a very safe salary, good salary. The possibility of failing was not even in my mind. I just did not have the ability to know. I didn't have the nous of how to build a business. There's one thing to have an idea, but building a business and what involves in building a business, I think is completely different. And plus I was coming with an employee mindset, which I think is also equally different. So I wasn't fearful. Um, I didn't actually have any doubt that my dream wouldn't become a reality. I just didn't know how to make that. So, It's a really interesting point that you left a high paying job yeah. to go out and build your own business. And that is the single most scary thing for most business people right now. Yeah. If you were going to build a team to develop your audio book right now today, mm. who would you employ first in that journey? Or would you still want to go it alone? Oh, definitely not alone. Um, I think the way... 
the way the market is, when I say the market, the way we can build businesses now is you can outsource so many of what is needed to be done. You don't need to do it. Um, a team is essential. I actually know that my strength is communication and selling. And I'm not great with operations. I'm not great with the finance. I understand it, but it's not my bag. So I would look for people as I do now for those who have the, the have the capability, the, you know, have the, the ability to manage those areas better than I could. And we have the same kind of shared vision. That's what I'd probably do. And some of it would probably be outsourced, which would probably be the operational day-to-day -day delivery, logistic stuff. That wouldn't be something I would be involved in at all. Um, I would be more involved in building the relationships with authors, um, the publishing houses, so that I know about the new books and whether we can get the rights to them and stuff. That's what I would have done. Yeah. So who would be the first type of person you would employ? Because I think most entrepreneurs, visionary type leaders, struggle in this area. They've got an idea, but they don't know how to implement it. So based on what we've said today and the lessons about your journey, what person would be the first person on your team? Because I think this would really help fellow entrepreneurs and any business owner in business right now that's hitting the buffers? I would get somebody who's very good at systems, who understands operations and can organize things. Um, I'd get a systems person in and I would get a finance person in. But more than likely, I want somebody who understands how to simplify processes, how to make things work smoothly so that we could save time. I think you can have, a, you can have as I've seen with many businesses that I'm consulting with, can have all the money coming in, but there's no systems in place to manage it and handle it or handle your staff, your team better. People, some businesses fall down with their, um, they end up in um, tribunals because they don't have an HR system in place that's properly probably implemented in the event of any problems. That's a systems problem. You know, you might have an, an IT system where it's old, you, you don't know how to use it properly, you know, you're not automating what you should be automating. That I think can save you so much time. So I would get somebody who understands business processes and could simplify what needs to be done to make my life and our lives easier. Is that on day one? It wouldn't be on day one. Day one would probably be me, I think really getting clear on where you're going is so important, as well as sketching out a plan. It obviously, I think over time it will revise because as you move along, things change and you have to make adjustments. But I think the most important thing, and this is what I do with businesses now, you know, I did it with a business um, a year and a half ago, where we sat down and we thought, right, what does the end, we didn't realize it, what does the end of 2020 look like? <laughs> yeah, and that's the same thing I would have done. As best as I can, I would have looked at the different areas important to my business, the systems, the staff, the investment, the sales, the team, and I would have set objectives as clearly as I could 
with that. That's what I would have done. So that if I'm speaking to a systems person, I can say, this is what we're looking to achieve at the end of year one. I'm expecting you to help me to get there. If I don't know, they won't know. You see what I mean? So from day one, I think I wouldn't leave my desk until I am clear on where we're going. Because that, then we know what are the critical areas we need to focus on. And one of them would obviously be systems. The other one would be how we're going to generate sales and market this business to build awareness. But the first thing I would do on day one is to be absolutely clear. And thank you so much, Wharton. We are going to take a very short break right there. But when we come back, okay. we are going to speak about your consulting practice and who you work for and the types of business you share your story with in order for them to grow. So we will be back. Do you ever ask yourself, how can I charge the right fees and clients know your worth? Well, with the Know Your Value program, you will learn how to articulate the difference you make to new and existing clients and attract clients who focus on quality and results and happy to pay your fee. To learn more, go to www.mortonpatterson.com to find out more. So in the second part of our podcast today, we are going to speak about knowing your value. And what I'd really like to ask Morton today is how can your consultancy create the right sort of value for your clients? That's a really good question. I'm going to take you back a couple of years when before I launched Morton Patterson Consulting, a true story. And I was having a meeting with a client who ran a tendering consultancy. And I was really um, challenging her as to why she wasn't doing certain things to develop her business and changing and ch actually chasing um, outstanding invoices. She said something to me that stayed with me for ages after. You have no idea, Morton what it's like to sit on this side of the table. You guys who are advisors, you sit there, you give us advice, but you've no clue about how hard it can be to run your business on your own. That was like a bullet between my eyes because it was true. Safe to say we became friends, but that lesson taught me the importance of why I had to go out there and launch my own practice and actually speak from a place of knowing because I'm in the same place as my clients. I understand the challenges have been in the business. I understand when a client doesn't pay you. I understand how hard it is to market your services. But when you're an employer, no disrespect to them. When you're an employer, it's easy to be given the advice but not to be actually having to live the advice. So how do you flip that on its head? I flipped it by leaving full-time work and starting my consulting. I flipped it by one day thinking, after having launched Bookstalk 2 and that not failing and learning so many lessons, I realized I still liked the um, 
I still like being an independent. I still like being an entrepreneur. I still like forging my own way. So I flipped it by leaving full-time work and starting my own consulting practice to help other businesses who were going through the challenges that they were facing. But I understood what they were going through. So you like hard work is what you're saying to me because you left the safe haven of full-time employment to go and branch out on your own. So what did you do exactly the day you left full-time employment and your business has now started on day one? I made some plans before I left. I engaged with some of our clients before I left to let them know that I was leaving. I had in place um, a couple of opportunities and relationships and clients in place before actually resigning. But here's the thing, it didn't all work out that way. Never does. Yeah. Not everyone who said, oh, gosh, Mo, when you leave, let us know, we're happy to do some work with you. It never worked out that way because there was one thing that was missing, knowing how to market your services effectively. And I didn't understand really the importance of marketing. So the first thing I had done actually, before I left, I'd already put in place certain type of contracts to carry me through. And when that didn't work out as well as I had hoped, I had to think, okay, now that I've left, what do I do now? I had to find the ways of how to market and learn marketing, learn how to sell my consulting services from scratch. And it wasn't the easiest thing to do. How did you get through that? Because the reason why I ask is people think these uh, new ways of doing things are Mm. easy, Mm. but they never are. And the reason, uh, the thought that comes into my mind is lack of sleep, lack of exercise, maybe a bit too many glasses of red wine of a night time. (laughs) Have you been talking to people I know? (laughs) (laughs) So how did you deal with this on those lonely days when the challenges were being forced upon you? I'm a great believer in getting help. And the only way I could have survived and developed and built this program product that I have has been through learning, reading and receiving coaching myself. And when I started to receive coaching and then decided to learn how to do it properly, I learned that you can't be a great consultant unless you receive, you can't can't be a great coach unless you learn, you are a coachee and you understand what it's like being one. So how I did it was I went to get some help. And actually, let me share with you how I did that. It was Christmas and um, business was not really forthcoming that time. And I had a client that I was going to and I was hoping that they would pay me that just before Christmas. So I'm all eager and I get there and we do the consulting and the, the map and the da 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 And all along, I'm hoping that they're going to say, oh, Morton, here's your check. Okay. The session ends and they said nothing and neither did I just before Christmas. I was so annoyed with myself 
that I knew I had to do something different. Because this way of being afraid to ask for the business, this way of being afraid to ask for the money wasn't helping me. Plus, I knew I wasn't charging enough. In the new year, I went to see them and I mustered up the courage to say to him, oh, um, okay, do you know that invoice that's outstanding? He says, why didn't you ask the finance guy before Christmas? All you had to do was ask him and he would have paid you. <laughs> but I didn't ask. And it was at that point that I realized that I needed help. And I went to get coaching on how to manage my service better, how to ask for the money, how to understand the value of the service I was in, how to improve my own belief in the work that I was doing. And that's how I did it, by receiving help from another coach. Actually, a number of coaches. I speak to many people, mm. and I want to reassure you, you're not on your own. Mm. People have a fear of either asking for the order yeah. or asking for the money. Why do you think that is? Lack of confidence, self-belief. Um, not many times it's because of the, I call it the monkey on your shoulder, the little song he's singing in your head. Um, I'm not good enough. Um, we don't know enough. They're going to say no if we charge them that price. Yeah. Um, somebody else is going to get the work except us. And I remember that with many businesses when I used to help them with their tendering. Yeah. Oh, it's no point in going for that contract. They've already given it to someone else. So the core thing is the messages we give ourselves, the talk that we say to ourselves that convinces us in a way what we call, we negotiate ourselves out of the work, out of the contract, out of the order because of the stuff that we say to ourselves. That's why. So do you think one of the reasons why you didn't ask for the money was you were too expensive or you were too cheap? I don't think I was too expensive. I was cheap. But even at that price, I thought it was too expensive. <laughs> even at that low rate, it was high for me. But it actually, when I think of the value that I provided for them, and let me support that with this. Years, I believe in this thing I call long after you are gone as a consultant. I will meet clients to this day whom I worked with four years ago and say, Morton, do you know that model you showed us? We're using it to this day. That's been the value of the work I've done. And that is what I help people to do, to understand the value of their intervention. But at that time, I went in low because I wanted to make sure I got it, but even at that low rate, it was low. So I definitely wasn't too expensive. I didn't have the courage to go in at an expensive rate. And that's what the, many businesses do. The psychology yeah. around negotiation, yeah. price, time, yeah. is such an interesting subject. Absolutely. And like I say, I don't think you're on your own there. Yeah. But what I wanted to ask now is, have you noticed a common theme amongst successful business owners? And in light of the pandemic, what are business owners and entrepreneurs really thinking right now? 
Common theme among business owners is their thinking. Is their thinking? Is their thinking, yeah. They have not allowed the news or the circumstances around them to make them think, even though things have looked bleak. Um, last year, March, a business owner contacted me who was in the events industry and the events industry has had a terrible time. And I remember receiving a text from her and she says, all of my contracts are gone. Um, opportunities that were, I was going to be doing some work and event planning over in Dubai disappeared. What am I going to do now? Yeah, it's like, I'm, re I'm finished. The difference of how some successful business owners have handled this pandemic has been their thinking. She reinvented herself, looked at who needed her help despite the pandemic and who will need it going forward. She created a new website, looked at the new service offerings, looked at how she could meet those needs of those who, were ne who had planned exhibitions and no longer could do them, who had events but gonna be doing them virtually in the future and found a way to provide that service instead. So it is their thinking. Some people have been extremely um, um, browbeaten into the negativity of what's happening that they've not been able to come out of it. So I think successful business owners has been their thinking and allowing themselves to look at different things. That's, that's what I mean. So how have you changed your uh, consulting business since March, 2020? I, that's a really good question. I had to change and, uh, you know, I don't like the word pivot, but I'm going to use it. I had to look at how will I reach my customers now because I can't reach them in the traditional way of running my Know Your Value program, which I used to do live. I then started to do webinars, which I didn't do before. I was actually quite a proficient and a comfortable Zoom user. So Zoom wasn't actually new to me. And so to some extent, some of my clients didn't really suffer because we were already working in Zoom. But what it has forced me to do, I'm going to say this. It has forced me to be much more consistent in how I show up online. Last year, I started a, a weekly memo called the Morton Patterson's, I call it the Business of Value Memo. Before COVID, I would never have conceived that I could write a memo every week. It was impossible in my mind. In April, I launched it and challenged myself to write a piece every week. Anyone wants to sign up, they can just go and get it, sign up for my newsletter. And it's really all about the different ways in which we need to sell our value, understand our value. So one of the ways in which I've changed is that I realized the importance of consistency and I made myself consistently write that weekly newsletter since then, and it would be going forward. I had started to do webinars and launched my first webinar last year on my Know Your Value program, which is for seven weeks, one day a week. That has been a new way. And it's also been stopping and looking at what is it that businesses need right now? And how have I done that? I got on the phone and called some of my old clients up. And it was amazing how that turned out. I must admit, 
The monkey was busy the first time I thought of doing that. Why? They'll be too busy, more. They won't want to hear you, more. They want to hear from you now. Nobody wants a phone call. They're going to think you want to have business. You want to sell your services. And when I got on the phone and said, I'm just checking in. How are you? It's happening. It was amazing. So one of the three things. I started to do webinars. Number two, I became more consistent. Number three, I made more phone calls. So how did you measure your business success during this period? Was it the number of leads? Was it the number of people joining your lists or jumping onto your webinar? Good question. I measured it by a mixture of those three. I measured it because I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. I measured it by the following. I was able to grow on LinkedIn between last year and now. I measure it by the amount of referrals I got compared to before. And that is purely from LinkedIn that people say, see Morton Patterson, because he's about value. Go and have a chat with him. So I measured it by the conversations I had, the number of conversations I was able to have one-to-one. And I measured it by the number of people that were sent to me to just have, uh, in terms of leads, uh, with regards to leads. It was very, very different to before. So what advice would you give business owners right now as we advance steadily through 2021? It's amazing that um, I have a client, as I mentioned before, where we sat down and we did a three-year growth plan. The advice I would give businesses right now is sometimes we can be busy being busy. That's why it's called business, right? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. You're busy in business, right? But you're not going anywhere. Advice is sit down and look at what are the key things you want to achieve by the end of this year and what would be the critical things involved in achieving that. So in short, take time out to look at what you want to achieve and see if you could create a plan. And for the entrepreneurs starting out on their journey right now too, what would be your advice to these people? Uh, If you wake up in the morning and think, I've got a great idea and I'm going to launch a business, yeah? Test the demand of the service before thinking that you're going to launch it. Try some way to see if you could galvanize some interest without you making great investment. Get the product to create the service that you create, that you want, as opposed to thinking, oh, I've got this fantastic idea and I'm just going to market it and build awareness. As I learned with Bookstalk 2, it's expensive, and this is what a consultant said to me, it's expensive to educate a market. So I would say, find out something you enjoy doing, and if there's a demand for it, see how you could make your service unique to provide it. Don't go creating something that nobody really wants because you think it's a great idea. And on that great bit of final advice, Morton, I want to thank you for your time today. How can people find out more about you? You can find out about me by having a look at my website, uh, mortonpatterson.com. I have a free booklet, which is called The Five Ways of Knowing Your Value and Building a Highly highly Valued Brand, where you could download that from my website, um, mortonpatterson.com forward slash five ways, or you could find me on LinkedIn. I've written several things on LinkedIn, on value, on strategy, 
Or if you go to my value blog on my website, you can find out about me from there. Today's show has been sponsored by www.teameasycrane.co.uk. We help you build your business and grow recurring profits. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Thank you.